ESPN Sports Network. Welcome in. It is a Wednesday, a hump day edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bowling inviting you to join us right here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline. It is 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline powered by EBOMD. Jess Bowling in the house. You ready for some rocking and some rolling? With you? Today, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, might be some rolling, but... No rocking. No rocking, no. Just just the roll. All right. Uh, so uh, what was... Uh, we were off yesterday. What, uh, what was shaking at the uh, bowling compound? Well, you know, it, it's a big house, so there's always something to do. Um my boiler was acting up, and so it wanted a little attention. So I spent an hour working on it. But um, well, you get tired of working on that darn bol- boiler, don't you? <laughs> the bowling boiler. Well, I say it's such a you know it's just kind of fine tuned. It's just like your car. Don't you get tired of taking your car to get a grease job and all change? Well, I don't guess you get any grease jobs anymore. But an all change, it's something that you just simply got to do. And with a boiler. Especially one that's, let's see, it's 52 years old, then still heating that house. So, yeah, it's uh, it's worth it. You know, a new boiler's probably between seven and $10,000. My car just reminded me this morning that I need an oil change in 400 miles. Yeah. So, little, little reminder. Now, you go 6000 between all changes? Uh, ten. Ten thousand? Ten thousand. I use <laughs> synthetic oil, and that's what they recommend, ten thousand. See, I go three thousand. Yeah. Because mine's got so many miles on it. If it didn't have that many miles, I I wouldn't go that quick, maybe. But use regular oil or synthetic? I don't know what it uses. Yeah. Xterra. But anyway, it, back in the day, when I was in high school, you changed oil every thousand miles. But you didn't go as many miles either. You know, you didn't run around all over the country like people do now. Pretty well used a car to go to work, go out on a date, ride up and down Broadway, go out to Wimpy's, make a U-turn, circle around Wimpy's, and go back down Broadway towards the river. Just cruising. Then go down to Spanish and make a right and go up to Spanish right beside a teen town. They're on Spanish, and I don't know what that is, going north. That's that's Spanish. I don't know what the is turn on the, to go west. And then you make a left on Broadway and go all the way to Wimpy's again. And you see so many of your friends. This is the high school days I'm talking about because everybody's cruising. It's just like graffiti, American graffiti. Did you see that movie? Seen it many times. That is the way it was. I mean, it was just cruising up and down Broadway and see who's out there. I remember we used to chip in, and uh, before I had a car, and a friend of mine could get his dad's car, 
we chip in 50 cents a piece, four of us, $2, and ride as long as we want to, $2 worth of gas. But, uh, and, you know, cruising, looking for chicks. That's what back then guys would do and call them chicks. And um, <laughs> it was a good and old And you days. may not want to call them chicks today. No. 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 I don't think so. Um, at least... Please quote me as saying back then, <laughs> not now. But I'll tell you what, I like growing up in those days, in the 60s, 70s. It was a good time. 60s was kind of uh, volatile as far as protests and, you know, all the things that were changing in this country in 60s. But it was still a good time in my life. Speaking of the 60s, I've been listening to a podcast from actor-slash-director Rob Reiner. You know, this was the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and he's got a 10-part podcast, not all 10 have been dropped yet, about the assassination of Kennedy and all of the theories, and he talks to a lot of people, and it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, how many movies they made of that? Two or three about John Kennedy's Made a lot of movies. There are a lot of documentaries. Yeah. Uh, National Geographic just had a new one released just in the last couple of weeks with footage I have never seen before, and I thought I'd seen all of the footage, uh, but leading up to... His travels to Dallas, the fact that uh, Jackie Kennedy was with him. That was her first public appearance after uh, a miscarriage. And she had not left the White House since then. Uh, but she did go on this trip. And Lyndon Johnson was on. Nowadays, you would not have the president and the vice president flying on the same plane to no. the same spot. And there was a governor was it Connolly? Yes, Connolly. That was with Kennedy in the car. That had to be a horrible experience. I, I was watching TV. I watched it all on television. Um, I didn't see it on TV live that when he got killed. But I saw, I was watching Sunday morning when Lee Harvey Oswald got shot by Jack Ruby. And I was watching TV the night that Robert Kennedy got killed and on stage and and i mean i was watching it live i couldn't believe it i thought where, did this really happen you know walk up to a guy and just shoot him and so it was a bad time you know martin luther king got killed in the 60s and there's a lot of things happening that that were bad in the 60s like that so if you are into the Kennedy assassination, the conspiracy <laughs> theories. Um, you cannot listen to this podcast by Rob Reiner and think that Lee Harvey Oswald did it all by himself. You just can't do it. There's just too much evidence that proves. No, I don't think so either. And I the, think Russia had something to do with it. And the, the Warren Commission's final analysis was really a joke with the magic bullet theory and all kinds of things but if uh if 
if that is something that uh, you find interesting, you can find Rob Reiner's podcast uh, many different places. But it's pretty interesting. So the St. Louis Blues proceeded to drop their fourth game in a row last night. They blew three leads against the Detroit Red Wings. Fourth straight loss, six of eight. Now the Blues have lost. And afterwards, they fire Craig Berube, the only hockey coach in franchise history to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't know how popular of a decision this is going to be with Blues fans. Our Blues players, they really love playing for him. Um, and, you know, there's just not much patience anymore. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It's what are you doing today kind of mentality. And I hate to see him fire Barube. I don't think he's dumber now than he was when he won a Stanley Cup. You know, that was a very good hockey team when they won a Stanley Cup. You, I mean, you don't win any world title unless you've got talent. Blues don't have that kind of talent now. No. And so to expect him to work miracles with the team, and I think they, we talk about the Cardinals overrating their talent, I think the Blues do too. I think they actually fired Barube because they thought they are better than the record shows. Game under five hundred. I don't know if they are or not. Do you? Bennington's hot and cold. And... They've got some new faces. It, I, you know, it could be also that the Blues want to go with a bunch of young kids that they've drafted in the last couple of years. Just like this past year, they had three first-round draft choices. So they may want to go, in, and, and they may feel like that Bruby is not as good a guy with young, young players as maybe somebody else. I don't know. But um, I hate to see him go, and he'll get another job. Don't worry about that. Yes, he's, he will. He's a Stanley Cup winner, champion. So I wouldn't, it won't be long. He'll have to either turn jobs down or take another job somewhere. But I like him. He's always good in post-game interviews. He's always good in, uh, as far as in-game assessment of his team. I don't know if the Blues are better by not having him on the side. But that's their decision, and, you know, uh, if Blues are sputtering, and the first thing you always do is fire the coach, so, and if they go, clean things up here, which a lot of times a new coach will come in, he'll, he'll get some wins right early because players want to impress him and try to get more playing time because it's a new guy, and... Then they'll say Barube was the problem. <laughs> so it, it, I uh, I liked it myself. I'll put it that way. We've got a uh, poll up on our Twitter page. Only 23 votes so far. And you can go to our Twitter page, at SEMO ESPN on Twitter, and vote Right now, and so far, Jess, with only 23 votes, 69.6% um, say it was not the right decision, 30.4% say the oh, right decision. 70%. Yeah. 7 out of 10. I, I'm in more of that 7, and um, I don't know if it's a you know it's a terrible move for the organization because they you know they're in it to win and and when you're not winning you look around for reasons 
And if any players are not playing up the capabilities that they think they got the talent to do, then they're going to say, well, why is not he coaching these guys up? And so you start asking those kind of questions and the first it name that comes, comes to mind to the, the first name that comes to mind is Jordan Cairo who has this massive contract he has 5 goals in 28 games right. not not good enough and he's shooting the puck more than he did last year uh you know i i still think he'll wind up with 25 to 35 goals because he'll get hot and he is a talented player but that's a good example of players not playing up their potential, and somebody's got to get the blame. If you watch enough Blues hockey, though, you can see sometimes, and you're like, is Kyra even giving his best effort on the ice? Yeah, uh, you can. I think that when <laughs> I watch him sometimes. i not so sure you're wrong. Um you know, a lot of times when guys get that multi-year contract and they're set for life, I don't think you do get the same effort just with just about anybody. The identical contract was given to Robert Thomas, and I do not feel that he is no, not giving I, it. I he, is, he is their top scorer right now. He's playing well. I don't either, but there's, you know, p- people are different. And I remember back in baseball and big leagues, nobody got a multi-year contract. Every year, you'd have to sign everybody. <laughs> and that's I'm, I really believe they're better off now the way it is, but uh, Cardinals would bring in like five or six guys and sign them the same day to the next year. And maybe Musial and Williams and people like that would be the last one signed because they'd get everybody else out of the way and see how much money they had left and then go after them. But multi-year contracts, I think a lot of times the player, he wants to avoid injury. He wants to get through that contract and be in good health and uh, not take chances trying to impress or trying to do over-the-top thing. And Kairou might be in that bunch. I don't know. I watched their games, nearly all of them. The things I've noticed about them is they're sloppy. They give the puck away too many times in their own zone. They have a hard time clearing it out of their defensive zone. Goaltending is, like I said, well, it goes hot and cold. You may get a shutout. You may give up six goals the next game. So you got to um, you got to be consistent, especially when you play a big schedule. When you play an 82-game schedule, you got to go out there and consistently be at a high level or big league baseball. You can't just go out there and, you know, just like your starting pitching staff in baseball. They got to go out there and give you a good game 80% of the time. You can't have guys go out there and, and give up five runs in the first two innings every other game. It's just not conducive to winning. And Bennington, so far this year, he's had stellar games and he had stinker games. He gave up four of the six goals last night. The sixth goal was an empty netter. Since their biggest win of the season, December 4th, they go on the road. They beat the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Las Vegas Golden Knights. 
Since then, four straight losses where they've been outscored twenty to ten. And that might have been those four games. best game against Vegas. It wanted nothing, wasn't it? Two to one. That might have, a lot of people said that's the best game in a couple of years. And now he's really not playing that well. Bennington has three of the four losses Joel Hofer has. <coughs> uh the loss in Columbus. Losing at the Blackhawks, that's a bad loss. They are not good. And now you're under five hundred and Their AHL affiliate in Springfield, Jess, Drew Bannister has been named the interim coach. And Bannister coached a big portion of this roster yeah. in the minor leagues. So he's got some credibility with a lot of the guys and that, that are on this really, roster. Uh, you know, honestly, with a bunch of guys that he's coached down in the minor leagues, they could get, you know, he could get a boost. The Blues could get a boost out of a guy that's very familiar with the talent that you have, the young talent. I could see that happening. You know, they, they'll, they'll like playing for him maybe and try to impress him and be the player that he probably told them they could be. So the Blues might get a boost out of this move like most teams do. But I still don't think it's a good move. Update on our poll, SEMOESPN.com, or uh, at SEMOESPN on Twitter. Our Twitter poll, it's now 72 to 28%. They did not yeah. like the move. Yeah, well, I don't think that'll change a lot. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that high, but I'd say it'll be 65% time people get through voting. That's a pretty good percentage. I wonder if Barube surfaces with a team within the Blues division. If he comes back to haunt him, a la Randy Arozarena. But you know that as soon as Craig Barube wants another head coaching job in the National Hockey League, he's going to get it. Yeah. I mean, do you agree? Sure he will. Yeah. I mean, he won a couple hundred games with the Blues, I think. 206 wins, and that is third all-time. And, you know, to win a Stanley Cup championship with a team that never, ever won one? Just like Boston Red Sox, you know, with all the years, Chicago Cubs, with all the years they went without one, you got a manager that wins one. Uh, Doesn't he separate himself just a little bit from the others? You know, to win the only Stanley Cup championship the Blues history. That's got to be worth something. And so it'll be worth something on the market. Like, say, he'll go out and get a job if he wants one. He may not want one. The Blues owe him for this year and next. He may want to go to work and may not. It's been five seasons now since they won the Cup. 2018-19. Yeah, on that team, I wouldn't say it's been disbanded, but you lost some very good people. I mean, Tarasenko's gone. Um, O'Reilly's gone. Um, Bo Steen. Yeah, there's a whole flock of guys that's not they there. They just traded Robert Bortuzzo. <clears throat> Schwartz. 
I mean, there's all kinds of guys gone. That was a pretty good team. Alex Petrangelo. Steen. You know, Steen retired, but he's, you know, it's, uh, and that's the way it usually is. I mean, you win a championship and everybody wants some of your players. The NFL is about as bad as any of it. You win the NFL Super Bowl, it's hard to keep your team together. You taking calls? Yeah, I'll take one. Let's head to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. Mike is on the line this morning. Mike, welcome into the huddle. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Yes. Well, I'm doing great right now so far, but it's early, Mike. Yes, it is. It's very early. Um, I think you've got to put part of this on the front office, Jess. You let Petrangelo walk when you didn't have to. You could have signed Petrangelo, one of the one of your big players there, a, a crowd favorite and a hard worker. He goes on and wins the cup with with Vegas. Um, like you said, Ryan O'Reilly, you got rid of him. The guy who scored the winning goal against San Jose. Uh, Maroon. You, Maroon. You let Maroon walk. And I just, I think you have to, and you give Thomas and you give Kairou the, the mega contracts. I think you've got to put a lot of this on the front office, Jess. Well, I do too. I mean. I they, mean, I like Army. I, I like Armstrong, but I, I just I think he made a couple of questionable moves by letting some guys walk and signing some and and these kids may blossom and they may be worth every penny you pay them in the in the years to come, but right now you're not seeing it and I I just I think you've got to put part of it on Armstrong. Well, I you know hockey is a little different than football and baseball as far as your financial structure of your organization. Uh, Hockey, you don't have the max money that baseball or football or basketball for uh, a reason. And so they do have to watch their money a lot closer. I mean, a guy making $6 million in hockey is making a lot of money. In baseball, that wouldn't even touch, you know, that wouldn't, you couldn't even get anybody to play for that that's any good now. That's why I was getting ready to to add to it, Jess, you get a six million in hockey's like twenty million in baseball. Yeah, that that's the analogy you can use. But I don't know that you would have had to pay Maroon an outrageous salary, and I don't think you would have had to pay Petrangelo an outrageous. Well, it all salary. comes out to really to be equal. I mean, it, it the, the L.A. Dodgers, the Mets, and the, maybe the Phillies, big marketplaces, Cubs. Um, Sure, they got more money than Cardinals and stuff like that. But in hockey, you're you're if you got a couple of six million dollar a year players, the other teams don't have that kind of the money. You know that they can sign somebody off your team for ten million or you know. So it comes out, it's a kind of a different level of pay, but still it's equal just as much as it is the big leagues. Right. Exactly. But and you got the cap in 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 hockey that kind of ties your hands quite a bit. But to, you know, I just think you've got to put part of it on Armstrong that 
some of the deals he's made in the last couple of years have, I mean, they've had me scratching my head a few times. But, you know, they'll bounce back. I, I hope they do anyway. But, no, I disagree. They let David Perron walk? Yes, they yeah, did. Yeah, he's a valuable player. Very valuable. I just, I just, some of the things that, that's been done the last few years are questionable. They got but, rid of another guy, too, that or let him go that I really like was Barbashev. Yep. A young, tough player with speed and everything. And uh, I, I, Tarasenko and Barbashev and that group, they were talking about letting him go. I, I said back then, well, keep Barbashev. Let Tarasenko go because he's on the downside of his career. And Barbashev just, I think, I don't know, he's around 25, 26 when they let him go. So You don't hear much about Tarasenkov anymore, do you, of, of lighting up the league like he did with the Blues? That, that's, I think that was a good move to let him walk Yeah, I think well. he had four or five years of 30 goals or more in a row. Yep. So, yeah, Blues got a lot out of Tarasenko, and he was um, – he was a good hockey player. I mean, he was a guy that the other team had to watch where he's at all the time on the ice because he was such a threat. Yep. I've been busy. What did you guys think of the $750 million contract? I, I know it's probably rehashing what you've already talked about. Well, there's so much of that money deferred that I think if some of the teams knew that he would defer that much money, and what's he going to make, $2 million a year and yeah. defer all the rest of it? Yeah. I think a lot of teams would have been interested in, in getting more serious about it. But not, maybe the Dodgers are the only team that that throw that angle at him. I don't know. It would be interesting but, to know if, if everybody knew that he would defer that much money, $68 million, and play for two right now, then I'd – I don't know. There may have been some other teams willing to sit down at the table for that. It's kind of depends on how the Dodgers do it. First 10 years of that contract's going to be great. But then when you get to that back 10 years and you have to start paying that $680 million, then what are you going to do? Because that, you know, it all goes and, and can you afford to buy, get people then? So enjoy the first 10 years of it, really enjoy it real good, because if you don't make wise investments to where you can afford to pay this man on this back 10 years, your team's going to be in trouble. You're right, and to think, you know, the, I know what the theory is, because I did a lot of that stuff in my life, uh, negotiations. I know what the theory is, that the dollar value won't be 10 years from now near like it is now. And, of course, then Otani can look at it. His agent can look at it and say, well, yeah, but I'm going to be drawing interest on that money you know, exactly. all these years. That's going to offset the dollar value. So both teams got their angle, and I'm not saying that either one of them is wrong. I mean, you can, I mean, you need to look it up and dig up some numbers, you know, how about high, what, you, what high, you expect. How high can salaries get, though, Jeff? <laughs> I guess they can get as high as somebody wants to pay. That's. You know, that's the theory. You, it, they'll go as high as someone's willing to pay. Whatever the market will bear. Exactly. But if they keep going up the back 10 years of this contract, you won't be able to afford anybody. 
I, go, I don't know. We talk all the time about baseball's big business. Collegiate sports is big business. Uh, it's it's gotten that way, yeah. You know, when, when college coaches are making five, six million dollars a year, so maybe more than that. It's some of them, and so it's a it is a business. And gosh, I don't I don't know what the answer would be on how far that money or what the ceiling would be. Uh, who'd ever think that they'd ever get to this point? Not me. I didn't think it, but um, you know, and baseball especially and football have have went to the commercial end of sports so much that and TV contracts and everything. So there's no telling how much a team like the Dodgers off the field will bring in. Yep. Uh, you know, don't even count the attendance. How much money through Major League Baseball? material that you get your share of tv rights all this kind of stuff so i don't know that it's further away from the truth now than it was say in the 60s or 70s compared to the dollar yeah you know what What, you can buy in today's time what could bob gibson lou brock johnny bench tom Seaver, nolan ryan what could they command nowadays as far as, I mean, could you even afford to pay them as good as they were back Yeah, and you didn't day? even mention the two best players in baseball at that era was Ted Williams and Stan Musial. Yeah. yeah. Now, they were the highest-paid players. Ted Williams is the first guy, I think, in baseball. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Ted Williams is the first guy to make $100,000 a year. And then yeah, Mu- and it Musial, almost caused him and the Cardinals to part ways, didn't it? Yeah, Musial came along and made that much too later. But uh, so it, what? You know, it'd be interesting to Google what was a hundred thousand dollars be today if you transferred in from nineteen sixty to today. It, wow! It, it, I tell you what, it would it would stagger you how much a yeah. hundred thousand would be in sixty compared to today. Yep. Yep, it would be. Anyway, I don't agree with the Brewery Bay firing. Uh, I'll go on record. I'll, I'll go on your uh, poll as, as disagreeing with it, too, because he didn't forget how to coach. And so I, I, I'm like Eric. I'm afraid he's going to come back and he's going to haunt the Blues later on down the road because he's a, he's a great coach, and I just didn't agree with it. But just wanted to get my two cents worth in, fellas. Y'all have a great weekend if I don't get to talk to you between now and Friday. Perfect. Thank you, Mike. All right. See you. All right, One of the Mike. things that you had to see that the players thought he was a really good coach and everything was when they won the Stanley Cup, Pat Maroon, St. Louis guy, born and raised in St. Louis, went over to Coach Barube the first thing. Didn't celebrate in the middle of the ice. Didn't celebrate with his teammates. No, he went over to Coach Barube. And so the and that, that one guy represents a lot of guys on the team that, that actually would do that, you know, that felt that way. So I don't doubt that he was popular with the players. I don't doubt that at all. And that's a big part of it in, when you coach in any sport. Your association with your own team. How do you relate? How do you... How you looked at as far as your team, and I think Blues players, if you poll them, they would feel like right now. I bet you a lot of them would say, "Well, it's our fault. 
you know, we didn't play well and cost him his job. I think that's the way a lot of the players would feel, and I think uh, <laughs> they'd be right. You still taking calls? Oh, yeah. Let's head back to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. Eric with a C is on the Huddle Hotline. Eric, welcome into hey, the guys, Huddle. Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Great. Hey, um, I wanted to touch base on something y'all were talking about on Monday. And that was where y'all asked Rick Weezer if Mahomes should get a pass because he's always said or bit his tongue. And should he get a pass on his tirade that he made after the Buffalo game? Which he has since apologized for. What's that? Uh, He apologized, uh, you know, for his outburst. He said he was totally disappointed in what he did because he should have never done any of that okay well yeah i agree on that i because i mean i'm kind of thinking that that was more revealing who he was instead of protecting his brand but okay i didn't know that he had apologized i live in a tunnel i guess um the other thing i wanted to hit on is that i kind of disagree i mean i don't know what the cardinals got from the red sox but i was kind of under the thinking that the cardinals should have probably kept tyler o'neill since they're not going to really probably – they probably didn't get much for the Red Sox. They got a relief some- pitcher named Nick Robertson, who had a 6.04 ERA in 22 games last year between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Then they got a starting pitcher. His name's Victor Santos. He didn't pitch at all last year and had a 495 AAA ERA in 2022. So – they just got a couple of uh, just got a couple of arms. Well, my thought was, and it's something that you, I believe, had said on Monday or when they were talking about shopping him, that it's his walk year, and those are the years that a breakthrough season happens. And I'm like, you know, suppose he has 20 home runs in the first half of the season, or the first half of the, yeah, the first half of the season. Then one, you get more more. Um, uh, power to trade him at that point or where people would want him and if he doesn't do much you're not out much well eric i tell you what i i agree with some of the stuff you're saying you got a clear, I, you got a clear playing time for him too and they want i think they the want to look at other just guys. got fed up i think the cars got fed up with him because i was watching the game where he was thrown out at the plate and he slowed down come around third base and you know, it, it looked really looked bad, and uh, Marmol threw him under the bus. And then he's just always hurt. You don't get anything out of him. You can't count on him. And I think right. Cardinals just said, you know, we we just need to turn the page. Mm-hmm. I think that's more it was than what he could possibly do this year. But you know, and I, clearly, I, I'm they one of the guys that said let him go. They didn't want to showcase him for a trade because they, quite frankly, want other guys to get those at bats. Right? I mean, right. Well, I I personally would have just, you know, I mean, if he doesn't do well, then you don't worry about the playing time. And if he does well, you can ride that and then get something. But that was just my thought. I mean, what do I know? I'm not as great as a baseball god as Mosaliac is. Well, if he stays healthy and that he never does, ever. But if he stayed healthy playing with that short, porch in left field jess in boston with the green monster 
It might be a pretty nice place for well, sure. Tyler O'Neill I mean, to he, play. He's a big league player. I mean, he was an all-star. He was a gold glove fielder. I mean, he had 34, 35 homers that one year. So, sure, he's capable. There's no question about it. Nobody would question that. His speed is outstanding. He's got well, the talent. I just think, Go ahead. I just think the walk here has very good medicinal powers. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. It absolutely does. So, well, guys, I enjoy your show. All I right. just wanted to put Thanks my for calling. In. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Appreciate the call. 334-1220, the number, the huddle hotline number, powered by EVOMD, 334-1220. Now, as far as the Shohei Otani contract goes and the deferral of so much money, he is scheduled to make $70 million per year for 10 years. He is deferring 68 of the $70 million because he makes $45 million in endorsements yeah. off the field. Yeah. But you cannot circumvent the salary cap as much as you think you can. And I say salary cap, luxury tax. Uh, here's Jeff Passan with ESPN explaining that even though he's only going to be taking a $2 million a year salary, uh, it's still going to be. $46 million against the luxury tax threshold. Here's Passon. Shohei Otani is essentially deferring 97% of his contract. What does that allow the Dodgers to do? It gives the Dodgers, Nicole, freedom to go out and spend money without the luxury tax being affected quite the same. Now, under normal circumstances, a contract like Otani's that is for 10 years that's going to pay him $700 million is a CBT or luxury tax hit of $70 million. It's just the average annual value of that. But when you have deferrals in place, those deferrals get discounted down. And so the CBT hit for the Dodgers with Otani now is going to be $46 million a year, freeing up $24 million to go out and sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto or attack free agency or perhaps get Tyler Glass now, who incidentally is owed $25 million this year in a trade. And the big thing is that this is Shohei Otani essentially saying to the Dodgers, I want to win and I'm willing to put aside the money that I am owed for a decade plus to make it easier for you, the franchise that I'm going to be doing it with, to put a winning team, a championship team on the field. Nothing the Dodgers did was actually outside, extra legal, problematic in terms of the letter of the law. It's just the spirit of the law. Uh, agents, I mean, agents are saying this is the most club-friendly deal of all time, and they may not be wrong. I mean, Otani got an enormous discount to the Dodgers. Like, it, it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. and, and I think he wanted to be a Dodger for a number of reasons that make sense. They win the proximity to his home in Southern California, uh, the, the knowledge they have, the commitment they have. They're arguably the best organization in baseball. And to play with them and try and win championships with them, he gave them a gift with this contract. All right. So, basically, there was a lot of squawking uh, when it was heard that Otani was deferring all but $2 million in annual salary out of this contract. And 
people before they had all of the information were saying this is a travesty, this is, you know, how could he only charge or count $2 million against the uh, luxury tax? That's not the case. No. He's going to he's gonna charge $46 million against the luxury tax. But by deferring that, that's still $24 million that he will not and have And that to. will allow the Dodgers to get a Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, or a high-priced free agent, if that's what they want to do. Oh, they have to. They, they need pitching. So it, it, it's a great contract, maybe for both sides. And, and, you know, you don't know which party even brought it up. I mean, the agent for Otani could have been the one that brought that up because Otani wanted to play in L.A., and he doesn't need the money. So it might have been them that brought up the deferral. It might not have even been the Dodgers. But they jumped on it, and I don't blame them a bit. They got the best player in the game, a two-way player next year, not this coming year, but the next following year, that may be the best in baseball on both fronts. He may be the best pitcher in the game. He may be the best hitter in the game. So I don't know in today's market and deferral of money, I don't know if it's a bad deal for the Dodgers. Do you? What he can do on the field, how much money he can bring in to the Dodger organization through wearing that uniform, all the jerseys, everything else that goes along with it. It's it's a contract that I think a lot of big league teams, especially if they didn't know what was going on, would gripe that, hey, if we'd had that kind of chance. But the thing about it is, they didn't want to play with you. He didn't want to play with the other teams. He wanted to play with the Dodgers. And he got his way, like you said a while ago. He certainly doesn't need the money with all of his endorsements. He, you know, the money's... It's know, estimated he, that he makes $45 million off the field, non-baseball-related salary. At this rate, he's making well over $100 million a year which in 10-year contract, just on baseball endorsements, he's going to make over $1 billion, probably more like a billion and a half to $2 billion. So <laughs> I, I think he is a pretty smart young man, and I think his agent is good. And the negotiations, like I said, it could have been either side that brought that up. ESPN is reporting that the San Francisco Giants made three offers to Otani, including a final proposal that their baseball of uh, that their president of baseball operations Farhan Zaidi called very comparable, if not identical, to the Dodgers' seven hundred million dollar offer to Otani. So the Giants say they made three different offers. The last one was very comparable, if not identical to the one the Dodgers made, and he still chose the Dodgers. That's who he wanted to play with. He wanted, you know, he wanted to play on the West Coast for sure, and I think he wanted to play in the National League. You know, so, I mean, I, I love watching him play. He's, you know, I always love excellence in anything. I don't care if it's dancing or uh, poetry or whatever, music, sports. And he's as good as close to being excellent as anybody I've ever seen. So we have commented for many years on this show about the Cardinals just missing out on 
certain <laughs> players, right? Yeah. Finish second. How about if you're the Giants? They made a massive contract offer to Aaron Judge. Didn't get him. Carlos Correa, and then all of a sudden they got the medicals, so they didn't end up getting Correa, and now they are claiming that they made almost the identical offer to Otani, and they didn't get him either. Well, and that's their number one rival, the Dodgers, so that makes it a little worse. Be like Cardinals losing somebody they want really bad to the Cubs. Jason Hayward. And so, yeah, I can understand San Francisco a little frustrated, uh, but that's the way it goes. I mean, guys want to play somewhere special, and evidently L.A. is special to him. And so he's really not leaving town, is he? I mean, uh, I guess is the Angels in Anaheim? Yeah. I, I don't know how far that is from L.A. He, he called them the L.A. Angels. He did not own a home. Now he may buy a home, but you've got to understand the agency that represents him is just down the street from Dodger Stadium. His doctor is right there in Los Angeles. So staying in that area apparently was very important to Otani. And let's face it, the climate there is pretty good out on the West Coast compared to the Midwest or the East. You know, in, in the East, you can play some cold baseball in New York and places like that. And in the in Midwest, you can play some unbelievable heat and frustration with humidity. So I, the conditions in L.A., San Diego, San Francisco, probably all are way better than the Midwest or the East. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but it, it might with me as a player, if I was having all those places dangle money at me, that the place I'm playing as far as the weather and access, accessible uh, things that you're talking about, that's right there, his agents right there, his, his medical team that he uses right there. So I don't know if it's a, you know, Hampton's time with... Was it Colorado or Arizona when the Cardinals thought they had him because of school districts? So, Mike, Mike Hampton? Yeah, there's all yeah. kinds of reasons Colorado. you sign with the team. But uh, that's all you and I thought all the way when he became a free agent was that the L.A. Dodgers would get him. And I thought that more than ever when the Yankees signed Soto or traded for Soto. I thought the Yankees would back out as far as spend that much more money to get Otani. So Major League Baseball Network put together a documentary about the career of George Brett, just called Brett. And you can watch it, and I'm sure you can watch it on demand. And in the documentary, and we'll get your thoughts when we come back from this commercial break. Uh, basically, George Brett had a message for Cardinal fans, and that message was, suck on it for the 85 World Series. Much more when we come back. It's the Sports Huddle, SEMO ESPN. I should wait. 
It's the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin. Jess, uh, the documentary now on the MLB Network, Brett, about the career of George Brett, life and times of George Brett. And when it got to the 85 World Series, he made some interesting comments. And uh, let me give you a quote from George Brett for crying out loud, St. Louis. And I have friends that live in St. Louis. Don Denkinger, he made a bad call. Made a bad call. If they call him out, we still might have won the game. You don't know. That was game six. Come out and play game seven. That's all you had to do is play game seven. You didn't show up for game seven. You lost 11 nothing. Suck on it. Well, I can come back right at him if they if Dinkins doesn't miss the call. The World Series over. If that's Game Six, the Cards had a three to one game lead in that series. You don't get a Game Seven to come back, so he's totally wrong there. And another little statement: If he that same game was played today, do Kansas City does Kansas City win? No, they overrule that call. Yeah. Yes, and the they do. Series is over. Do you agree? The Cards had a three to one game lead in that series. So the Dinkinger game, there wouldn't have been a game seven. So don't bring up game seven like you might have won it anyway, because if you lost that game, there wouldn't have been a game seven. So I don't buy into Brett's comments. I mean, it's okay to comment. I mean, like he said, you play by the rules you have at the time, but don't act like it was just uh, a minor issue. It cost the Cardinals the World Series. There's no other way to look at it. So you're not excited about the comments? No. I mean, George totally Brett. off the wall. I do stuff. want to watch the documentary. They were promoting it. Uh, they were promoting it pretty hard. So I'm going to go back and watch it. But it's just called Brett. I, I always liked Brett. I, I thought he was a, he's one of the really best hitters Kansas City ever had. Maybe the best. Uh, you know, he challenged 400 that one year. I was like this. 1980, hit 390. How he held his cool when they got him for a pine tar too far down the bat. Really held his cool. <laughs> you remember that? Come charging out of the dugout. There, You've never like seen cool. anybody lose their mind on a baseball field. <laughs> a than rage. Brett. My goodness. If you, if you were the umpire standing you'd think, whoa, somebody stop him. Because he looked like he's going to kill me. It was big six foot eight Tim McClellan <laughs> who made the call. He's since retired. So, with Shohei Otani getting all of the pub, Jess, and rightly so, $700 million, uh, Major League Baseball will be televising Otani's first games because they'll be played in Seoul, Korea. First time they've ever played in Seoul, Korea, March 20th and 21st. The Dodgers will play the San Diego Padres in the first regular season game ever played in Korea. Then when they get back from Korea, they will open at home a four-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Those will be the first games for Otani at Dodger Stadium. It'll come against the Redbirds. So that'd be probably the number five pitcher for the Cardinals <laughs> in their rotation. First time Otani faces guards if they both play four games. So 
I could see a couple homers against Cardinals this first game, can't you? Uh, he'll do some damage, I guarantee you, that first game against Cards, especially the first game in L.A. You better believe it. Uh, you might want to walk So in. I think these may be the first games for the Cardinals, but it'll be game I think it is for three the for the Dodgers yeah. because of that series, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That so could, it'll be Sonny Gray, it, game yeah, one. Yeah, it'd be uh, at least the Cards have a legitimate guy out there that could slow him down, but still, he might be a guy in situations – I wouldn't pitch to him. If I had second and third or man on second even, you know, would you? I wouldn't pitch to him. Would you bet him second? Would you go Betts, Otani, then Freeman? I would probably bet him third. you got to have somebody. You've got to have somebody legitimate behind him. Because Freeman could bat in front of him. And Freeman's on base percentage, I don't know what it is, but it better, it's probably really good. And Betts, you'd have two guys there that maybe a lot of times are going to be both of them on base. So I want Otani, which he'll probably be the Dodgers' leading home run hitter. And who's your insurance guy, Will Smith or Max Muncy, right? I mean, you, I would bat Freeman behind him. I would, I'd bet, uh, I'd bet Otani third if it's my team. Who are you batting behind him so they don't pitch around him? Well, like you said, Will Smith would be a good hitter. He's a good hitter, or Muncy. Somebody, of course, Muncy's left-hander. You'd have, uh, what, Three left-handers in a row, if you did that, if you batted Freeman second, Otani, and then, uh, you know, Muncy, you'd have three left. I, that's not good. I bat so you want to throw Will Smith right between them. I bat Otani second and Freeman third. Well, Otani, what, Smith. what you're going to do, remember this, you're going to eliminate a lot of RBI potentially for Otani if you bat him second. And if you bat him third, that's the most productive, third and fourth, most productive RBI positions in the batting order. And the old saying is, and I totally agree with it, your best hitter bats third. The best hitter in your lineup bats third. I and am I agree finagling my lineup so that Freeman bats behind Otani, wherever you want to put him. Well, if you want to put somebody else in the two-hole behind bats, and then Otani, and you then think Freeman's Freeman. a better hitter than Otani? A better hitter? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to hit for a higher average. You think he's better? Well, then okay. I, he's if not that's the way you believe. He's not the power hitter that I don't, Otani See, is. I don't think he is. I think there's more damage going to – we'll see when the Dodgers play this year. We'll see who produces most, and I think Otani will beat Freeman. RBIs and stuff like that, maybe on base percentage. Freeman might beat him in batting average. I would say Freeman probably would beat him in batting average. But I think Otani, I don't see. I don't go by batting average as much as I do run production. How many runs you drive in? How many you score? And I, think I just Otani will lead the Dodgers. I just can't have teams pitching around Otani. They've got to pay a price with someone legit behind them. Well, that, that's a good point too. But it's like you just said. I wouldn't even pitch to him. There'll be teams that that won't. Freeman behind him, that's okay. But if you bet it the other way with Will Smith behind him, he'd probably get more opportunities with Freeman batting behind him. But Will Smith's respected too, and so is Muncy. But you can't bat Muncy if you go Freeman, Otani, Muncy. You don't want three lefties right there in a row but it's just a matter of your opinion and 
lot of times you can't pitch around the guy. For instance, I don't care who's batting behind him. If, if he comes up and bats and Freeman are on base, you're not going to walk him to fill the bases loaded and move another runner in scoring position. You know, so you're going to pitch to him if a couple of men's on base. It's basically regular season. You get in the playoffs, you may think differently, but it's just a matter of opinion, and that's the way I would do it if it, if it were my team. Jess, uh, hello to the lovely and talented Dawn Sean. She has uh, the day off from work today. Yeah, had the day off uh, yesterday as well. She is tuning into the huddle. Say hello to her. And, of course, today is... Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! All right. That means Wednesday wisdom. Well, uh, I would say I had my girls down in Texas, Columbia, and, and my boys are in Cape area. Wednesday wisdom, I do that as a joke. I do that as fun. I don't want to be funny right now. I want to give respect and pay homage to a good friend of mine, Bill Goshi, and salute to him, passed away, unbelievably supportive of Southeast Missouri University, and an unbelievable supporter for the Kappa Hall baseball team. He was supporting our team way back when it was very difficult to raise money. So a friend of the area, he had so many friends around here, such a well-liked guy. The world is not a better place with him. Everybody gone. loved Ghosh. Yes. So I, I, I salute the bill. My uh, my broadcasting of Jackson football, he was a huge Jackson fan and would often text me during games. Oh, What's yeah. going on? What's this? Is, I mean, he, would, he would text me during games a lot for Jackson. Wouldn't do it so much with Simo. And what a sense of humor he had. He and I used to just have talks, just just talk. We may be talking about baseball or football or basketball or stuff with SEMO or stuff with the Caps. He just loves sports, and he loved people. And prayers go to his family because to give up somebody is always tough. But when you have the personality and the humor and everything he had, it just makes it doubly tough. So... Hats off to Bill. Absolutely hated when I got the news last night. So no wisdom wisdom today. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. All right, Jess. We will uh, rack it up again tomorrow. Does that work? Sounds good. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up on ESPN Radio. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. (laughs) 